Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. They thought they knew better. And isn't that the story of so many people? They think they know better. And they have to find out the hard way that they didn't know better. I mean, much better to just take God at his word and just say, okay, Lord, you know. You know what's best. And then submit to it rather than thinking, no, no, I I know better. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 41 through 45. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, the 41st chapter, as we ended chapter 39 last week, maybe you remember, it's kind of uneventful, but it was uh, Gedaliah, and all we really know about him is his name and a little bit about what he did, but apart from that, we don't know much of anything about the people that we're going to read about here, but Gedaliah is appointed by Nebuchadnezzar through Nebuzaradan, who was his um, kind of chief of staff. He's appointed now that the king's been deported, the city's been conquered, uh, so he's deported, or I mean, he's appointed Gedaliah as the governor of the land. And maybe you remember is appointed as the governor, and then there's this other guy named Johanan, and then there's this guy named Ishmael. So Ishmael is hatching a plot to kill Gedaliah. Johanan it finds out about it. He goes to Gedaliah and tells him. And Gedaliah says, no, that's not going to happen. We don't need to worry about that. So that's where we pretty much left off at the end of chapter 40. Literally there in the final verse, you shall not do this thing for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. And so now we pick up. Uh, it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah and the son of Elishama, of the royal family and of the officers of the king, came with 10 men to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, at Mizpah. And there they ate bread together in Mizpah. Then Ishmael and the 10 men who were with him arose and struck Gedaliah with the sword and killed him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also struck down all the Jews who were with him and the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, remember, are the Babylonians. The Chaldeans who were found there, the men of war. So Ishmael, this guy is um, he's ruthless. And, and of course, he's opposed to everything that's happening with the Babylonians. He's in league with the Ammonite king. And so now he's taken down this man, Gedaliah. And then as we read on, on the next day, no one knew what had happened. And certain men came from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, 80 men with their beards shaved and their clothes torn having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. So 
you know, here are, are these guys that have journeyed from the area of Samaria in the middle of the country, 80 men. They're coming to offer sacrifice. They're probably humbled and broken and repentant, and they want to come and express their worship to the Lord. And so they make their way to Jerusalem. Verse six, now Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went along. So he's pretending to be all broken up and uh, repentant. And so it happened as he met them that he said to them, come, let's go to Gedaliah. So it was when they came into the midst of the city that Ishmael killed them and cast them into the midst of a pit, he and the men who were with him. So we see the ruthlessness of this person. But the 10 men who were found among them who said to Ishmael, but 10 men were found, who said to Ishmael, do not kill us for we have treasure of wheat, barley, oil, and honey in the field. So he desisted and did not kill them among their brethren. Now the pit into which Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain, because Gedaliah was the same, because of Gedaliah, was the same one, the same pit that Asak the king had made for fear of Basha, king of Israel. So Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, filled it with the slain. Then, verse 10, Ishmael carried away captive all the rest of the people, the king's daughters and all the people who remained in Mizpah, and he carried them away captive to go over to the Ammonites. Now, Jeremiah is in this group of people that is being carried away by this man, Ishmael. So when we come a little bit further to verse 16, we are meeting again this man, Johanan. Now, Johanan, he was the one who warned Gedaliah that there was a plot against him. And as we saw that, and then as we see his behavior here, it seems like Johanan's a, a good guy, but he's really not. And, and we'll, we'll see that as we go on. So verse 16, Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captain of the forces that were with him, they took out after Ishmael and they recovered all of these people basically from Ishmael. And so then they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimam, which is near Bethlehem, as they went on their way to Egypt. So Johanan pursues Ishmael and his army. They defeat them. Ishmael flees with eight other men. And so he rounds up everybody that they were had taken and, and were carting off to Ammon. And he brings them now with him and they are on their way to Egypt. And so they pass through this little town of Chimam, which is near Bethlehem, but they're on their way to Egypt. So chapter 42, this is where we see the true colors of this man, Johanan. So the captain of the forces, Johanan, and uh, a couple of other names here, and all the people from the least to the greatest, 
they came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet. So we obviously Jeremiah is there with them, as I pointed out. And so please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord our God. For all this remnant, since we are left, but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the things we should do. So this is a request. Jeremiah, you're the prophet. We're coming to you. Would you pray for us? And would you ask the Lord to tell us what he wants us to do? That's their request, right? And so Jeremiah, the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you, and I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be true, be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do anything, or or if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Listen, what they say, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So that's their thing. Jeremiah, you go to the Lord, you ask him what we're supposed to do and whatever he says. Even if we don't like it, we're going to do it. This all sounds so good and right, doesn't it? Now, after 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And so he called um, them all together. And in verse 9, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. Here's the message. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you. And, pull you, and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand, and I will show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. So that's it. God says, stay here. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to protect you. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying no, but we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we will dwell Then hear now the word of the Lord. O remnant of Judah, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and to go and dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there you shall die. Verse 18, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter into Egypt. And you shall be an oath and an astonishment, a curse and a reproach, and you shall see this place 
no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. And then Jeremiah adds this, for you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God saying, pray for us to the Lord our God and according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Now, therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by famine and pestilence in the place where you desire to go and dwell. So notice what they were trying to escape back in verse 14. We are gonna go to Egypt because there we won't see any war. We won't hear the sound of a trumpet. We won't be hungry for bread and we can dwell safely there. That's what they were thinking. Now, remember Jeremiah, he's clearly a prophet because he's the one who predicted that Nebuchadnezzar was coming when everybody else said he wasn't. He's the one that uh, foretold that Jehoiakim was gonna go into captivity He foretold that uh, Zedekiah would be uh, carried off to Babylon and that his eyes would be plucked out. And, you know, so Jeremiah has a a track record. He's 100% right. And so they come to him, you know, with a seemingly sincere request. And, but now they're saying, no, no, you, you got it wrong. You didn't hear the word of the Lord. It's, it's amazing. I think the most amazing thing about all of this is to see the hard-heartedness of the people. And let's remember, again, these are the people of God. These are the Jews. These are, you know, the chosen people. And yet, at this stage in their history, they're choosing their own way. So, God, but God tells them, no, go back. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. Nebuchadnezzar is going to, he's not going to hurt you. But they thought they knew better. And isn't that the story of so many people? They think they know better. And they have to find out the hard way that they didn't know better. I mean, much better to just take God at his word and just say, okay, Lord, you know. You know what's best and then submit to it rather than thinking, no, no, I I know better. I mean, how many people have gone off in pursuit of something that they thought they knew better than God knew and ended up in an absolute mess in captivity and misery. And so chapter 43 Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord, their God, that Azariah, who is the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, you speak falsely. Wow. You speak falsely. Jeremiah, tell us whatever you say, whatever you tell us, even if we don't like it, Jeremiah, we're going to do it because we know that you hear the word of the Lord. And now 
we're not going to do it. You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, he has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. Wow. So, you see, God knows everything, right? God knows that Egypt, they think Egypt is a safe haven. They don't know what God knows. Nebuchadnezzar is going to conquer Egypt. He's going to destroy it. He's going to do the same thing to Egypt that he did to Jerusalem. God knows that. So he's telling them, don't go there. Stay here. But they are dead set on going to Egypt. Now, think about this. Where did the children of Israel come from? They came from Egypt, right? They came out of bondage in Egypt. I mean, that was their great historical event that God liberated them from their bondage in Egypt. And now they are dead set on going back to the very place that God set them free from. And when the Lord set them free from Egypt, you know what he said? Never go back there again. And now they are bound and determined. They are going to go back to Egypt. And so down in verse five, but Johanan and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. And so they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. So they forced Jeremiah to go with them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in Tapanis, and he said this, take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah in the clay in the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance of Pharaoh's house in Tapanis. And say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death and to captivity those appointed for captivity and to the sword those appointed for the sword. And I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. Wow. Wow. So that now that they're in Egypt and they're probably thinking, Jeremiah, see how wrong you were? Look at Egypt. It's nice. It's wonderful. It's safe. It's prosperous. We're going to be okay. God says, Jeremiah, take these stones and hide them in front of the people and then tell them this. Wow. So verse 13, he shall break the sacred pillars of Bet Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians, he shall burn with fire. Bet Shemesh means house of the sun. So remember the Egyptians were, the sun god Ra was their chief god. And just as God had brought a judgment upon all the gods of Egypt back at the time of the Exodus, but the Egyptians 
still continued on in their idolatry. So now they're, they're going under another judgment by the Lord through Nebuchadnezzar. But just again, pausing for a moment with this whole story, we just, you know, we just need to remember that uh, we want to, we want to do things God's way because it's, it's for our benefit. That's, you know, people think like, well, you know, God has given all these commandments and restrictions, and this is just going to make my life miserable, and I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself or have the good time I want to have or do the things that I want to do. And that's a delusion that comes on the minds of, of many. And we just have to recognize that, no, the Lord's got the best plan. He's got a better plan. And um, I was talking to a young lady today about how much God has blessed her and how he's so radically just, you know, turned her life around in so many ways. And there was a season in her life when she was away from the Lord. And she said to me, she said, you know, back then, she said, I was actually thinking about that the other day. And she said, and I was thinking like back then, I actually thought that I knew what was better for myself than God did. (laughs) And it's like, and it was not good. And she fully recognizes that. But the point is this, we don't have to learn the lessons the hard way. We can learn them through the experience of generations and generations and generations of people that have gone before us and simply through what God has said in his word, you know, taking God at his word. And so, you know, as, as, as a person might be at a point where they're, they're wrestling between two things, they're, they're sort of flirting with something, thinking that, you know, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I should step over into that. It, it, there's, it's probably going to be so good and Oh, the Lord's holding me back here. And sometimes we're not even so much consciously thinking all of that. But, but that when, there's, when that temptation is there and we're being torn between two things, that's really what's happening. And, and if we would just stop for a minute and think, wait a second, let, let's think about the consequences of this. I always think of David. Remember his little fling with Bathsheba. And I mean, David, he knew better than anybody that looking at a a bathing woman was not a good thing because it would lead to temptation. And yet he yields to that temptation. And not only does he look at her, he calls and has her come to his palace. And he finds out even before that, that she's the wife of another man. But David let his own lust get the best of him. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. An important aspect of the Christian life is understanding that we are in a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, but we are in a war against these principalities and powers, against these spiritual beings. And so I've written a book 
that was at one time entitled Spiritual Warfare, but in the updated version, I changed the title to The Powers of Darkness and the People of God. And I think this is such an important book. So many of us go about experiencing the what is really the attack of, of the devil, but we don't even realize that that's what's going on. So this book will inform you not only of how to detect when the enemy's at work, but also of how to combat the various schemes of the enemy to mess with us and to undermine our faith and to just basically make our lives miserable. So I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of The Powers of Darkness and The People of God. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. You can order the book The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.